Tonight, I want to speak to you on motivation for serving Christ. Motivation for serving Christ. What is your motivation for doing what you do in the house of God? What is your motivation for serving the Lord Jesus? And tonight, I want us to look at Jesus Christ and his response to a particular mindset. And he taught a very deep lesson which is applicable to everyone that is a believer and that is a Christian. I want us to turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 7 from verses 36 to verse 50. And we're going to learn some very powerful lessons here. The Bible says, on one of those days, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard, take note of that, a certain immoral woman from that city heard that Jesus was eating in that house, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. And you can highlight or underline this aspect of it, the whole of verse 37. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard that Jesus was eating there, where Jesus was eating was the home of a Pharisee. He himself needs deliverance and salvation, whom Christ has also forgiven. So Christ has chosen to come along to that man's house. Remember the people that were self-righteous, who were not following Jesus' ministry, were the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And there is one of them who had requested Jesus to come and have dinner with him, and Jesus had obliged. That was a sign that he's, he's been forgiven of his sins. He's been tolerated. He's been accepted. And Christ had come to his home to eat. And then another woman in the city, who was an immoral woman, the Bible said she heard that Jesus was at a party and she decided to come along but she didn't come empty-handed she came with the bible says a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume the, the 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 jar itself was beautiful and beautiful things are expensive so what she the container itself was expensive and then the content which is an expensive perfume was also very, very um, costly. Then the Bible says in verse 38, she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. <clears throat> then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, he was talking to himself. He didn't verbalize it. It was an inexpressible comment. It was in his head. If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. <clears throat> she is a sinner. He said it in his head. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. I love Jesus. This is the operation of the gift of word of knowledge. Somebody is thinking something. Jesus answered what you were thinking. May there be such manifestations in the ministry of the church and in the life of believers. Somebody is thinking something. Before they speak, you started answering what they were thinking. So Jesus answered his thoughts and said, Simon, I have something to say to you. The man replied, go ahead. Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver. Now, one piece of silver is a denarii. A denarii, sometimes when you read the Old King James or the New King James, you see denarii. Denarii is equivalent to a day's wage, a day's laborious wage. So, to give 500 pieces of silver, that is 500 denarii, was a lot of money. That is 500 days' wages. And to one 
he gave that, and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Then Jesus asked him, Simon, who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered correctly and said, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. And I think it's common sense. And Jesus said, that's right. Verse 44. Then Jesus said, turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling over there. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she has washed them with her hair, with her tears, and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected a curtsy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. Verse 47, I tell you, and this is where the, the inspiration for the title of the message came from. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus equated the service of the woman to her realization of the extent of the forgiveness of her sins. Jesus was not teaching here that the service of the woman is what resulted in the forgiveness of her sins. No. He's saying to us that the woman acknowledged that she has terrible sins and all has been forgiven. And based on her understanding of the depth and magnitude of her forgiveness, she is offering service to Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. He says, she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are now forgiven completely. Doubly. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has also saved you. Go in peace. And the blessing of the Lord be upon the reading of his holy word. And the people of God say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Now this is a very, very vital lesson. That is to teach us how we must respond to the service of Christ. And sometimes many of us have behaved like Simon who was a sinner himself and came publicly to invite Jesus to his house to eat. Under normal circumstances, Jesus would have declined the offer and could have embarrassed him publicly, but he decided to come along. And when he came along to this man's house, the Bible says there was a certain immoral woman who heard that Jesus was eating there. In those days, it was common for people to attend parties uninvited. And they come and stand outside to watch. And if you grew up in some of the places some of us grew up, you will know that sometimes a party is going on somewhere and you also go and stand there and wait until they call you, signal you, and just hand some plate of rice to you around Christmas time. In some of the places where some people came from places where chicken is a rare thing to have in a soup. <laughs> so it is only at Christmas that you see people eating chicken and sometimes you have to go and perch somewhere and believe your God that somewhere somehow someone will recognize you and dash you some chicken and some rice rice and stew <laughs> Christmas rice and stew and dash you something so it was alright for those people in those days to to go to places like that and to stand around whilst people were eating and hoping that they would be given something. But this woman, when she heard that Jesus had come, it was possible that during one of those crusades that Jesus was holding in the city, it was possible that she had given her life to the Lord. But then when she realized Jesus had gone to a home to eat, then she thought, this is my chance to go and offer total and absolute service to my Lord and my Savior, because her sins are forgiven. She acknowledged that she had a lot of sins. The scripture introduced her by saying she was an immoral woman. Simon herself knew her too and concluded this was a sinner. And so the Bible says she came 
Then the scripture tells us in the verse number 37 that she came while Jesus was eating and she brought such an expensive offering to offer to him. Then she knelt behind him at his feet because I need to explain this because you may be thinking in today's terms of a dinner table and, and dining chairs and sitting around, how is it possible that someone is going to come behind your feet? But I want you to know that we are looking at the Mediterranean area and there they sit on couches and, and, and then they, they actually recline and sometimes they, they sit like the way, you know, they bend the knee or the feet in a way like the way we let children sit in, 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 in class, in, in primary school and in nurseries. You know, so we sit that way. And when you sit that way, like the way the Arabs sit, it is, your feet is drawn towards the back. And then you are sitting on the couch. And this is the position of Christ when the woman came from behind. So she has access to Christ's feet so that you understand the scriptures, exactly what was going on here. And the Bible says she came weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. These are all very expensive things. You can't buy hair. I'm telling you, you cannot buy a natural hair that is on someone's hair. It's very expensive. You didn't create it. I'm not talking about the Peruvian ones you have been buying, sisters, and the Brazilian ones. You don't have Ghana ones. <laughs> it's the Afro ones. You get the Afro ones. Our mothers used to have them. Put it on you. See, like this is, this is solid Afro. <laughs> she had her own natural hair and she used it to serve Christ. I want you to see the extent of the service there. You see, in those days, there were no vehicles. And one of the greatest curtsies to show to someone who you honor and enters your house is that you clean their feet. The feet is already dirty. It's carrying a lot of dirty stuff. Camel, donkeys, all this, the dung, the waste, the excreta of these animals on the streets. That's what human feet would have walked in. That's why the chief servant in the house, the lowest of the servants in the house, is the one who actually washes the feet. That's why when Jesus tried to wash the feet of the disciples, Peter protested. Because this is not for, for, for us. It's for you. Jesus, you are too high to do this. Because it's a dirty feet. It may be smelling at this point in time. And this woman comes in shamelessly honoring the Christ who had forgiven her. And she came all the way to offer her everything. And did every service that you would describe as menial in the house of God. She was all out serving. It didn't matter how the feet smelled. Jesus, the Bible says this woman went all that way. And using her hair to wipe that dirty feet will tell you that her nose will be in proximity to the, to the smell. And yet she was doing it comfortably and crying because she considered the forgiveness of her sins much greater than the embarrassment of the service. Are you here? And the Bible said, and she also bought this expensive thing to take away the, the smell and to honor and anoint Christ with it. And she knelt down and she, her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on it. This yucky feet, she's kissing it. Sometimes when we have to do service in the house of God, we consider some of them as yaki. We consider some of them as below us, but it's because just like Christ said, we don't understand how much our sins have been forgiven. If you have understanding of the depth of the forgiveness of your sins, your motivation to serve the Lord will be very great. Tonight, what is your motivation for serving Christ? And the Bible tells us that when the Pharisee had invited this Jesus, and he saw what the woman was doing, he started condemning the woman in his head. He started criticizing the woman in his head. And he started condemning the woman in his head. And started despising what the woman was doing. And then the Bible says, whilst these things were going on 
in his head. And sometimes we behave like Simon. When others who understand why they are giving their all to church, why they are sacrificing their time in church, why they are lifting the tables and carrying carpets and making themselves available, we stand and ask certain sarcastic questions. We behave like Simon. We think we, we are special, so we don't need to come down. It is just that it's a sad case for you because you fail to acknowledge that your sins, so great, has been forgiven. If all of us will understand that the forgiveness of our sins and an understanding of the extent of the forgiveness of our sins should be the motivation for our service of God, the movement of the kingdom of God will move to another level. And many people, this moment as you hear the sound of my voice, you need to assess yourself and ask whether you are like this woman or you are like Simon. Maybe you feel very special because you don't go deep to acknowledge how much God has done for you. And so for what this woman is doing, we begin to despise such people. We begin to condemn them. We begin to feel superior to them. We begin to look down on their service and think that they are stupid to be making themselves available in the service of God. But you rather need to see how is God seeing you. Remember the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. If Christ's perception of the one who invited him to the dinner was that you are wrong in your perception. You got it all wrong. And that you are judging this one who is serving based on what I have done for them. Then we need to really reassess our position in God. Because that's the same way Christ will still be looking at us. And saying, are we like this sinner who believes her sins have been forgiven. And based on that, she is serving. So when the man began to condemn Jesus, uh, this woman. And he is feeling very big because he thinks Jesus is at the table with him. And sometimes that's what we think. We think Jesus is at the table with us. You know, he forgave us. We have come to church. We are looking posh and great. So we won't do certain things. After all, are we all not the same? We are all saved. So all the others who are committing themselves, sacrificing themselves and serving the Lord, we feel that we, are, we have become so familiar with Christ. And even though Christ may be sitting at the table with you, it doesn't mean he's pleased with you. And that's one of the most shocking things to find in this very story. Look at it. He was eating with him all right. And that's a very dangerous thing when we are walking with God. The Bible tells us that in the Old Testament, when Israel were coming out of Egypt, they were the people of God. God had called them. God was with them. But the Bible says many of them, even though God released manna to feed them and provided quails for them to eat as meat, etc., many of them, God was not pleased. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he said, and many of them, God was not pleased. He was giving them manna, but he wasn't pleased with them. And the Bible says, while the food was in their mouth, he judged them. So Simon may have had an invitation, but the familiarity with the presence of God, the house of God, the things of God, the anointing of God, the Holy Ghost of God, the power of God, all those things make us so familiar that we don't give to God what we need to give to him. We need to do a proper assessment of our lives. You are sitting at a table with Christ and you don't know that actually he's also not happy with you. And look at Jesus. The Bible said, Therefore, Jesus went in to answer the man because the man was saying, if Jesus knew what kind of woman this woman is. She is a sinner. The scripture says she's immoral. So definitely, it was obvious. It was sexual immorality. She was probably a prostitute in town. And everybody knows it. That's why Simon also knows her. Her sins were not private. It was public. Those days, women that do public sins, we know what kind of sins we are talking about. And so she knows it. But she knows that she has been forgiven. Sometimes when people have been forgiven and they are doing things in the house of God, we condemn them and keep on holding their past sins even against them. And then the Bible said, Jesus then said, for you to understand why this woman is serving me the way he's serving me. Isn't it amazing that God knows our motives for serving him? Jesus hadn't met this woman anywhere. But because he's God, he knew what is driving the woman, what is motivating her to serve him. Ladies and gentlemen, our reward will come from the Lord based on the God who judges all our hearts and our service of him. Do you realize that Jesus therefore knew the difference between those who are just paying lip service and those who are genuinely doing heart service to him? He could tell what is moving the woman to serve him. May the motivation for your service of God be because of your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
Hallelujah. The Bible says that Jesus then said, I need to answer your thoughts. The thing you are thinking about, Simon, they were eating. And by the gift of word of knowledge, Jesus suddenly answered the man's thoughts and said to him, I want you to understand why this woman is doing what she's doing. And actually, you have actually brought yourself, as our people who say from Africa. I have issues with you. I have not been able to express it at this moment at the dinner, but you have actually brought it on. So we are eating, but I want you to know that you don't qualify at all. He said, a man loaned two people some 500 pieces of silver. Let's assume in today's currency, $500 to one man and $500, $50 to another. Or you may convert it to pounds or CDs or Naira or Kwacha or wherever the currency suits you. Euros and Swiss francs. Hallelujah. And then the Bible said, none of them could pay. None of them could pay. It's similar to us. We were given life through Adam and Eve. We lost it. None of us could pay back for our lives. And the Lord decided to forgive us by offering himself to die on the cross and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then the Bible said, he forgave both of them. Then Jesus asked, who do you suppose loved him more? And then Simon answered correctly and said, the one whom he canceled the larger debt. The one whom he canceled the larger debt. One day in 1 Timothy, Paul described himself as a chief sinner. He said, Jesus came to save sinners of whom he is the chief sinner. You see, he, he looked at the weight of his sin, quantified it, and realized that his sins were many, including murder of apostles. So he considered himself as a very, very chief sinner, and even Christ to forgive him. That understanding moved Paul to serve the Lord. Whether you beat him or not, he's serving the Lord. You put him in prison or not, he's serving the Lord. He's just like this woman. He understood how much the Lord has forgiven him. Ladies and gentlemen, the greatest sacrifice and motivation that the Lord will accept will be when you recognize how much the Lord has forgiven you. That should move you to make yourself available anytime, any minute, any hour. Your resources, your strength, your time to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that is what is pleasing to the Lord. And that's what the lesson Jesus is serving here. He said, therefore, then you are correct. Then he turned to the woman. And that's where the rebuke for the man at the table with him started. He said to him, but look at this woman kneeling there. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. Have you seen what the Lord was looking at? You are eating with me, but I'm not happy with you. You should have done the same thing to me. You haven't. And here you are condemning someone because you think you, you didn't assess the level and intent or the depth of your sins. You just think because you saw me on the street. And said, can I come to your house and have dinner? And I chose to tolerate you, allow you, remove the embarrassment. You can't see the great thing I've done for you. So because I'm now working with you, you think we are equals. You are taking my presence for granted. You have become so familiar with my presence that you fail to observe the common curtsies even of our days. He said to him, I have come to your home. And when I entered your home, you didn't even offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. This is very clear that the feet was dusty. And that's what the woman was doing. There are many people we condemn in the house of God who are doing what the Lord wants them to do. And we have just stood there in our nice suits, polished suits. Oh, well, this one is not my calling. <laughs> oh, this one is not my calling. Oh, uh, you people, you go to Wednesday service. Eh? Okay, yeah, we'll see you on Sunday. Ask for me, only I'll come church on Sunday. <laughs> you don't do anything on Wednesday. You don't do anything in departments. Nothing. You just don't care. Because you fail to recognize the depths of the forgiveness that Christ has offered to you. This man is like some of us. Jesus then said, you didn't also offer me water to dust my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair, with her hair. Then he went on to say, verse 45, you, next rebuke, you didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, 
she has not kiss, stopped kissing my feet. Then verse 4, this is third rebuke. You neglected the ketchup of olive oil to anoint my head. It was a normal ketchup in those days. That when you get a guest that you respect, that you honor, you also anoint them. After you have washed their feet, you anoint them with oil to lubricate their skin so that it doesn't crack, so it looks fresh. Then you can now refresh them and start feeding them. But you see, this guy was just taking things for granted. Jesus had come into his house, had not even offered him all these curtsies. And he just thinks that because he's eating with him at the table, he thinks everything is right. It's very dangerous to walk with God and assume all is well when he's not happy with you. He may be at the table with you, but he's not happy. When the matter came up, Jesus fired three rebukes. I came to your house. That means he was observing all this, but he didn't say anything. And then he now started telling him, I entered your home. You didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. You didn't greet me with a kiss. Somebody is doing it. You are condemning the person. You didn't offer me water. Somebody has come to clean my feet with her tears. Where can you buy tears? I just want you to see the depth of the service here. When you understand how deep your sins were, how dark they were, how difficult you were and the mercies of God found you and the forgiveness of sins. The Bible says everything this woman did was so expensive. It was so, you can't quantify it. Probably apart from the cost of the alabaster oil and even the jar. The first two things that she kept doing, the natural resources that she is using, you don't, they don't sell it anywhere in any market unless you go to some people that do ritual medicine. And they sell those things. Because she's offering not water, which was common that you could have used, you Simon. But she's offering her tears. Her tears. She's offering her tears to clean the feet of Jesus. Where do you get tears to buy? It's natural. She was moved by what the Lord has done for her. The, depth, the sin that she has committed. She has looked at all the immorality she has committed. And that when just one day, Jesus could forgive all. Then I don't know what else I can offer to this God. Hallelujah. And she offered her tears. Then she offered her hair. Before the other things, the natural things that you can buy, like the box and the oil itself, and kept on pouring them and using her hair to be wiping it, and kept on worshiping the Lord and, and, and crying, and kept on cleaning the Lord and serving the Lord in that place. Sometimes we think we have offered God the, the best, but our motivation for what we think we have offered is not even pleasing in the sight of the Lord. This man organized a whole dinner and it is not pleasing in the Lord's sight. He's sitting right there and may be eating the food, but he's not pleased with us. He's not pleased with him. He said, these are the things, even common ketsy, you refuse to give to me. And sometimes we have become so familiar with church, services, etc., that you see, we even don't respect the presence of God to honor him. Sometimes when it's time for worship, you see people just standing there and sometimes they are chatting. They have become so used to, to it. No respect for the presence of God. They just come in at any time leisurely and leave. When anything is going on in the church, sometimes they can be chatting with other people in the room while service is going on. You don't respect the presence of God. You are taking it for granted. The Bible says, that he said to her, you neglected the ketchup of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. 47. Then he says, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. And so, my God, so, so, he said, so she has shown me much love. In other words, because she acknowledged that her sins, which were many, has been forgiven. This is the reason why she is showing me this love. What is the reason why you are showing Jesus the love? If it's only based on friends, then you are missing God. If it's only because you are serving God, because if you don't, pastor will complain, you are missing it. May it be that it is because you understand what God has done in your life. Some of the sins that some of us may have committed, you wonder how it can be forgiven. But Jesus forgave you. 
Some of the diseases you have been saved from should be the motivation by which you give your all to the Lord Jesus Christ in your service of God. Some of the things that could have happened to you, but because you are born again, this is the reason why the Lord has actually saved you from that sin, from that shame, from that death. There are people who are hearing me tonight. You should have died long ago. The mercies of God. But because most of the reason why we don't give God all our all like the way Simon did here was because we fail to have a sense of remembrance to evaluate and see how far God has brought us. See, we just sang this song before I started preaching, this far by grace. The woman who composed this song understood something about the song. That she has come this far by grace. If we understand we have come this far by grace, when we get a little opportunity to serve God, we will go all out. The woman just heard a rumor. Jesus, the one who forgave my sins, is in that house for dinner and she was ready to go. When you hear there is service for Christ somewhere, what is your movement? You don't care. It's not, it's not even any of your business. You don't care. You just sit down. You are just like Simon. You think because God smiled at you, it's the same. The man was sitting at dinner with Jesus, and Jesus was not happy with him. If this incident did not occur, we never knew. He, did, he wasn't happy with him. It's very dangerous to walk with God. It's very, very dangerous. Because his ways are not our ways. But tonight, I came with a message. So that you will reassess and plan your service of God. What motivates you to serve God? Your number one motivation will be a very clear understanding that your sins have been forgiven. She just had a hint. Jesus was at a party and she went. When she went to, she was prepared. She didn't just show up. She was carrying an expensive offering. Some of us, when it comes to offering, then we change. All these things is just going to pastors. And then we start complaining. You are possessed. Anybody who complains over offerings, you are possessed by the devil. The one in Jesus' team who complained about this matter. In fact, in the other version, in the other uh, counterpart scripture, the Bible went on further to say that when this woman came doing this thing, Judas complained that this thing is too expensive. Why couldn't we give it to the poor? And Jesus answered that one too. He answered it. It was in these thoughts. And Jesus answered Judas and said, The poor you always have with you, but me you don't always have. And this thing this woman has done, for generations to come, it will always be remembered. And today, we are still talking about it. That prophecy is still standing. Whenever we know how to serve God, even with offerings, we understand we are instituting a memorial that will never be wiped away. That's how God operates. So whenever we have to give ourselves to God, this woman gave something you can buy. Her hair, her tears, and her money. Expensive. The alabaster box, the ointment in it was so expensive that Judas and some of the people said, no, this one could be sold and given to the poor. <laughs> that means that's a big money. But she didn't just leave home. I'm just drawing your attention. Even in coming to look for where Jesus was, she carried something with her. Don't come to the place where Jesus is worshipped empty-handed. Come with a gift. Come with a talent. Come with a time. Come with availability. Come with some resource. Come to serve the Lord because your sins, that are so many, has been forgiven by his blood. Who can pay for that? If there was not Christ and his blood, Satan would condemn us every day. That's why the Bible says, if the Lord shall count iniquity, who shall stand? From the iniquities of our fathers and our mothers. The sacrifices, the sins, the satanic worship, the covenants of the ancient. People, some, some of us come from bloodlines where human sacrifices have been made to generate the wealth of the family. Some of those things will still be following you and your children. The mercies of God delivered us. When we will serve God, we are bluffing God. We have become used to God and familiar with God. Even the breath in your lungs they are not yours. When you lift your voice to sing to, we have to beg you. We have to beg you. Oh, the days of diplomacy is over. In Jesus' name. Some years ago, a big man I was working with, he 
When we were telling him to come to church, he said he doesn't go to church to go and clap his hands with small, small girls and small, small boys. See, these small, small churches. Meanwhile, I know he's committing adultery. So one day I put that, I said, but you won't go there, but you sleep with small, small girls. He was quiet. He was surprised. You know, some people feel too big to serve God. They feel too big. But the breath in your lung is not yours. That should even move you to learn to give everything to God and serve the Lord. Tonight, what do you have that was not given to you? And if it was given to you, why do you behave as if it was not given to you? This woman understood that her sins had been forgiven. Tonight, I want you to look at yourself. Your sins that are many has been forgiven. Even the opportunities you have today is a work of grace. The blessings, the job, the promotion, the academic excellence you walk in, all these things, these are blessings of the Lord. And when you need to offer something to God, you start using these things as excuses. You are just like Simon. Trying to think that somebody is stupid to come and do these things. That she's offering her tears. What's this woman doing here? You know, we, we belong to a certain class here. And what is this woman doing at this party uninvited? May you go to where Jesus is worshipped. And may you carry with you precious things to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. What is your motivation for reporting for prayer meeting? Jesus wants us to pray. He said we must pray without ceasing. Men always ought to pray and not to faint. Sometimes when we report to the place of prayer, prayer is an act of service. It's not only to pray for yourself, but actually to pray that his kingdom come and his will be done. It is an act of service, but here we are. We won't do it. There are some people <laughs> over the years, as you pastor people, you see, some people, these things, they are not, as if they, they are not part of it. All night prayer meeting is not part of it. When the church is fasting, they are not part of it. <laughs> Sometimes it's even amazing when we are fasting or something. Somebody calls me and says, oh, can I come and see you? I say, don't you realize we are 6 o'clock, we have a prayer meeting. So you, you don't know anything about the church and you are in the church. It's amazing. You, you have come to church, but you haven't come to Christ. There is no point in being in church and not being in Christ. We must come to church to meet Christ and not to meet friends. Amen. Because our sins, no matter how many they are, our friends cannot forgive it. Hallelujah. Our friends cannot give us eternal life. Our family cannot give us eternal life. They can give us everlasting life. They can give us forgiveness of sins. They may, you may do something that your father, mother, brother, sister can say, I've forgiven you. But if their forgiveness is not the same as God's forgiveness, you are still nowhere. So when we look at ourselves and we appreciate where God has brought us from, we give all to God. Tonight, give your alabaster to him. Give the ointment to him. Give your tears to him and give your hair to him in the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus acknowledged that the woman had shown great love towards him while Simon had shown him little respect. She had been extravagant in her love. But Simon had even failed, even at common curses. This woman was extravagant in her love. Tonight, may you be extravagant in your service of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. Be extravagant in your service of God. Make yourself available. Honor the Lord Jesus. Shamelessly preach about him. The Bible tells us, I was telling you about prayer. That in the book of Luke, the Bible talks about when Jesus was born and being taken into the temple area for dedication. The scripture says that, and there was one woman called Anna, a prophetess of God, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asia. And the Bible said that she came in at that instant. She has been a widow after seven years of marriage. And at this time, she was almost about 84 years old. And the Bible says she served the Lord. She served the Lord in the temple daily with fasting and prayer. That tells us fasting and prayer itself is a form of service to the Lord. Hallelujah. Would you tell people about Jesus Christ? 
or it's something when the church, and these are the things I'm talking about. There are people, when you organize evangelism, it's not part of it. Oh, you guys, you went there. Okay, yeah, I'll see you later. You know, they, they don't participate in evangelism. It's not part of their duty. <laughs> they don't care about it. For them, they only care in the house of God. Is the Lord is about to bless you. Amen. They are not part of any department in church. But they criticize everything in church. It's just like that man, Simon. He was criticizing the woman who was doing service. You won't sing, someone is singing, but you criticize the person. You won't worship, someone is worshiping, you say, look at them. And that is all that is important to us. But we can be in church just like Simon was at the table with Christ and he's not happy with him. Tonight, may God be merciful to us. That we that think that we stand should take heed lest we fall. Or lest we fail short of the glory of God and the mercies of God. Her devotion was an evidence of her love. And that evidence of her love was the outworking of her gratitude for being forgiven. That evidence of her love, the service, it was the outworking of her gratitude for being forgiven. You see, when you, when you understand that you have been forgiven, your gratitude is not only in words, but in availability for service. And that's why sometimes you do things for people and they say, what can I do to thank you? Church, Jesus wants you to be available to thank him. Amen. He's not only looking for a thank you with words. He wants a thank you in service. Thank you in commitment. Thank you in soul winning. Thank you in joining a department in the church. Thank you in serving him totally, shamelessly, and fearlessly. Thank him. Thank him for standing for the right things in Jesus' name. And so when Jesus said to her that your sins have been forgiven, in verse 48, he was not suggesting she had earned forgiveness by her actions, but that her actions were the loving evidence that she has been forgiven. Amen. Let me repeat that. I said, when Jesus said to her that your sins have been forgiven, in the verse number 48 of Luke chapter 7, Jesus was not suggesting that she earned the forgiveness by her actions. Because some people think that way, that I will earn forgiveness by my works. No, it is not of works that any man should boast. But actually, when she now understood that she has been forgiven, her actions were the loving evidence. That she had been forgiven. Her actions were the evidence that she has been forgiven. So she could come to the Lord. When we know we are forgiven, we can come to the Lord. And we don't care how many people knew us as former sinners. We could come shamelessly and fearlessly. And that's exactly what this woman did. She came publicly. She knew the people that knew her. She knew that they all knew her. Probably they knew the particular address. She knew that when she came, some of the men there had been her customers. But once her sins are forgiven, she's shameless. Like the woman of Samaria. She was shameless. She too, she left her water pot and went to the city. I've met someone. I've met the Lord. I've met a man. Come and see a man who told me all that I've done. Is this not the Messiah? It affected her service. When she also understood that the Lord could even tell that she had had five husbands and the one she's living with is not her husband. And she realized that her sins have been forgiven. She went shamelessly to serve the Lord Jesus Christ by going publicly and telling people, come to the Lord Jesus. Tonight, what is your motivation for serving the Lord in the name of Jesus? When anything changes, would you still serve the Lord? Because you see, service with a corrupt motive will not be rewarded by the Lord. Service with a corrupt motive will not be rewarded by the Lord. Tonight, what is your motive for the service you currently render? The most pure motive should be that Christ has forgiven your sins. And so I'm all out for him. And this church, what do they do for you? That you are spending all your time there. Well, Christ is there and I'm serving Christ in that place. And Christ has done something for me that no one can pay for. Christ has given me life. Christ has delivered me from shame and embarrassment. Christ has delivered me from death and from accidents, from plane crashes. Christ has given me something that no man can give me. Eternal life. So I go all out 
to serve him. This should be your motivation tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. And when you understand it that way, there is no face that you can face when it comes to doing the master's will. Because it doesn't matter what names they call you. You know that the people mocking at you can't forgive your sins. That's why the woman came and did all these things irrespective. And when people judge you, the Lord will know what they are saying and he will respond to them. When Simon condemned the woman, Jesus answered him. He said, this is important to me. You can't condemn her. Hallelujah. Go all out tonight and serve the Lord. Let me finish this off with an example. David. David. If you look at David, you will see his response to his wife, Michal, the daughter of the king. The Michal is special. She is the one that David fought to have. If David risked his life to kill Goliath, it was on two grounds. One, that he knew who God was. But number two, he was told that the king will offer his daughter to the man that kills this man. So what a diary. What a diary. To risk your life for that. Secondly, when he killed the Goliath, and it was time for him to be given the woman, because King Saul at that time, the women had sung the controversial song that said that Saul has killed his thousands, and David has killed 10,000, Saul started hating David from that point. So he now changed the requirements for the diary, just like Laban did. And he said, yes, you have killed Goliath, but I want one more thing. I want 200 foreskins of Philistines. 200 foreskins of Philistines. And he knew that maybe he's just thinking, killing Goliath was accidental or maybe it was just one off. But if I put David in the midst of 200 Philistines to kill them, no support, he should go alone. And go and get me 200 false kings. And ladies and gentlemen, the false kings we are talking about is the false king of a man. The false king, that which is circumcised. When a baby is born and we circumcise a baby, a boy. The circumcision of the false king. That's what King Saul was asking for. Because the Philistines were uncircumcised Philistines. So he sent David to say, if you want my daughter... I know I promised this, but uh, something has changed in the economy of the home. My daughter is very precious. Give me 200 false kings of Philistines. And David took the risk, went into Philistine territory, fought 200 men, killed them, and had the time to cut off their false kings and bring it. What kind of diary is this? What would you do with this? It's just to put the boy at risk. So Michal was a very precious thing that David fought for. But ladies and gentlemen, God preserved David. He went to that battle and came out. What a strange, what a strange request to, to require from a prospective son-in-law. But because it was a trap to have him killed. And God brought him safely. Then the Bible says after they got married. And David decided to worship God. To bring the ark of the covenant to Jerusalem. To find a dwelling place. For the Lord God Almighty, Elohim himself. The Bible says, they went for the ark. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, and the verse number 13 to 16, and then we will take verses 20 to 23. But we're starting off with 2 Samuel chapter 6, and the verse number 13 to 16. And it says, after the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord, had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Hallelujah. When the praises goes on six steps, then they pause. Then David will sacrifice a bull and a fattened calf.
Can you all hear me? Glory be to Jesus. Are we back on? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. So the Bible says, after the men, they took the ark, when they danced six steps, think about it. It's a very long distance. That is going to be very slow, but meticulous worship. It will also tell you the expensive offerings that are being offered here. Because it's not everybody that had a bull and a calf. And the Bible says every six steps, David will sacrifice this. Then they move six steps. Then they sacrifice six steps. I don't know how long it was going to take from morning to evening before they would get to where the ark was going to be put. Because if they were bringing it even from central London to bring it to Thamesmead or Belvedere where we are, six steps, I think it's going to take 24 hours or more than 24 hours. Because it's going to six steps. He's taking time to worship. They were not rushing. And David, why are you doing this? And not only that, but the Bible says in verse 14, and David danced before the people. No, David danced before the Lord. Hallelujah. On the street, he knew it is before the Lord. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. The Bible says, David danced before the Lord with all his might. <laughs> Sometimes I look at people dancing in church as if they don't even want to throw a leg. It's just there. <laughs> I will worship you. Lift you high above the earth. And they are just like that. And the heavens. You are God. I lift my hands in the sanctuary. Meanwhile, the hands are still in their pocket. And they are just like that. As if, as if God should beg them to move. As if they have drunk starch. They can't move. But let it be Bob Marley. Who yeah, yeah, yeah. You see them. Let their football team is losing. And you see them wanting to beat the TV. You see them doing all these things. And when it comes to the Lord, David danced with all his might. Why would David do this? And he was wearing a priestly garment. He was a king. He was a priest. He was a prophet. He was wearing a priestly garment on this occasion. Not a kingly garment, but a priestly garment. He's there to offer sacrifice. The Bible says we have been made priests and kings to our God. When we come before the Lord, when you wake up in the morning, may the priestly nature of the anointing on your life as a believer move you to offer sacrifices of praise to our God. David danced with all his might. And the Bible says, so David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of horns. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, verse 16, Michal, the wife of David, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. It means when they came to church, she stayed at home. The pastor's wife is at home. The king's wife is at home. She doesn't think, is it by force? You know, because she's the king's daughter and she's married to David. She has been spoon fed. She doesn't see the hand of the Lord. She's not realizing that it has been by the message of God that her father was chosen to become king when the original prophetic statements of God was that only a king for Israel must come from Judah. And God had made your father from Benjamin a king. You don't consider that to even become a reason for worship. Some people, when we have to go to church, sit at home. Say, go. They are not coming. They've got their own reasons to stay at home. Well, just like Michal. Just like Michal. The Bible said, she stayed at home. And she was looking down from her window. Whilst the worship is going on, whilst the procession got into the vicinity of the community, she was still in the palace, came out and looked at what was going on there. Nothing was moving her. Nothing. Nothing. 
nothing was moving here. And then, not only that, but the Bible says, when she saw the king leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. She started looking down on her husband. Which kind of villager have I married? I'm a princess. For some reason, this guy just killed Goliath and he came. I mean, he came from a poor family. And I mean, he's not our class enough. Married. But look at the embarrassment he's causing me. He's dancing in church. He's dancing in church. I was told a story about a pastor. He ministered for a while and asked the congregation if you feel he was preaching on serving God and making yourself available to serve the Lord. And he called from the congregation that if you feel God is calling you to serve the Lord, come forward or stand first. When the husband of this woman stood, the woman put him down. He pulled him down. Sit down. Charlie, this is where you see that the woman is the one controlling the things. <laughs> He's controlling the man. He said, sit down. You are not going anywhere. <laughs> Can you imagine? The Bible says, as the ark of the Lord entered the city, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. Tonight, check your heart. When people go all out to serve God, how do you look at them? As if they are stupid. They don't know what to do with their time. Be careful. Be very careful. Look at it. The Bible says, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. Church, when we come to church, you must leap and dance before the Lord. This was a street, but David knew it was before the Lord. That the Lord is there. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his children. Psalm 22 verse 3. He inhabits the praises of his children. So when we begin to praise, whether on a street or a classroom, the Lord is there. He danced before the Lord. He danced before the Lord with all his might. And the Bible says, leaping and dancing before the Lord. She looked at him with contempt. And when David returned home, verse 20, when David returned home to bless his family, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. And she said in disgust, when a man had gone to church, he has gone to serve his God. A woman has gone to serve her God and she's returning. The Bible said the first statement of a wife was with disgust. How distinguished the king of Israel looked today. Shamelessly exposing himself to the seven girls like any vulgar person might do. You just said that to your husband like that. You said that to your friend like that. And you were disgracing yourself dancing in the church with those little children. You're dancing in that church, in that classroom. You are standing there and dancing like that in the church, disgracing yourself. We should dance in the disco. That's why it's not a problem. We dance to the tunes of unsafe people. That's not a problem. Because they are called celebrities by the media themselves who are themselves inspired by the devil. And they are doing all this. Those ones are what we call class. But when people have to dance before the Lord, when we have to come out on the street and dance before the Lord, no. Because someone is looking at you with a contemptuous eye. And the Bible said, when David returned home, the woman confronted him and said, look at how you were shamelessly dancing in church. And you were dancing with little girls. These people who are not royalty. You are dancing before them. Look at you. See how low you have come. And disgrace me, your wife. Madam, what are you doing at home when church is going on? Hallelujah. She was watching online. She was standing up there and watching. She won't go there. It's not that she can't go there. But she could go. She refused to go. She doesn't, she doesn't see God as having been the one that has brought her this far. But I'm telling you these things because I want you to see David's motivation for serving the Lord. It's the same motivation as the lady who was there serving Christ in our Luke chapter 7. Look at it. Then the Bible says, David responded. Church, sometimes it's necessary to respond to those people. David then retorted to Michal. I was dancing before the Lord. Who chose me above your father and all his family? Hallelujah. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. David is effectively saying, I was nobody. I was at the back of beyond when Samuel came. It was God's decision to pick me the lowest from my family and make me the head. And God also chose me above your father. 
that one will be similar to a gun man responding to another person saying this thing to you. Look, <laughs> it was God who chose me above your father. Keep quiet. If your father was better than me, he wouldn't have been silenced. <laughs> but David was actually saying, I didn't choose myself. It was God who chose me. Hallelujah. It was God who appointed me. It was God's decision to preserve my life, to give me victory over Goliath, to give me the lion and the bear. It was God who was with me to defeat the Philistines that brought your diary. It was God who has preserved my life and has been merciful. It was God who has brought me this far by his grace. And it is before that God that I will dance. It is before that God that I will even make myself even embarrassing before if that is the case so let it be if i have to dance almost naked before the lord that's up to you you can be an observer but my god is pleased with my service in the name of jesus and he says therefore before this god i will celebrate verse 22 yes and i am willing to look even more foolish than this may this be your response to people who judge you for serving the lord he said, I'm even, you, you are even complaining, I'm about to do it more. I'm about to do worse things. For the Lord Jesus Christ, hallelujah. He said, it is before the Lord. And yes, I'm willing to look even more foolish than this. Even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those seven girls that you mentioned, they will indeed think I am distinguished. Hallelujah. He said, those little girls you think I'm dancing with. You are despising me, but they, they will look at me as a servant of God, a model to follow on to also serve the Lord. So I am serving the Lord with all my strength, with all my might, and with all my might. And the Bible says, David explained these things to the woman to say, I am doing this because I understand what the Lord has done for me. If you understand what the Lord has done for you. From tonight, let no one stop you from your absolute and total extravagant service to the Lord. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. There must be a time where we give our time. When God blesses you financially, give God extravagant offerings. In Jesus' name. Oh yeah. Oh, the days are coming. We will, we will, we will bless the work of God. with stuff. Amen. We will, we will give God stuff. We, we won't give little money. We won't give little money. They will just sign one million pounds check offering. This is not tight offering. In Jesus' name, offerings. Let's push the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus. And then the Bible says, look at the judgment. That's why we have to be careful. We didn't explore all that happened to, to Simon. Uh, to, to Simon, the, the Pharisee who invited, Simon the leper who invited Jesus. But look at it here. So Michal, the daughter of Saul, remained childless. Through her entire life. She remained childless. For condemning somebody who is serving God. Have you seen the thing I told you? Simon was sitting at dinner with Jesus. From the outside it looked like he is in the good books of Jesus. But his heart was not right. And Jesus said, I have been to your house and you never did all these things to me. This woman is more preferable than you. Look at this woman. She is married to the most anointed vessel that walked the face of the earth, David. And yet, she was barren. And her barrenness was not medical. The scripture says, her attitude towards God resulted in her barrenness, her inability to have a child. May we be careful in our service of God. David said, I do all these things because I understand where God took me from. Tonight, I pray that you have a sense of remembrance. If we have a very good sense of memory, we will go out to serve God. When you know that God spared your life, when you have a little life, you can go all out to serve God. You can give your all to God. As for those who don't know where you have come from, they can stand like Michal and judge you. But anyone who judges you for the total service you render to God, it is possible that barrenness can be their portion too. Emptiness can be their portion because she is living in the same house, serving the man of God, doing all these things, and there's barrenness in her case. The scripture says, so she remained barren. That means it was a consequence of her rudeness, her attitude towards the service of God. She even stayed at home, despising what is going on there. This is not taking place in the palace church. It was not a chapel inside the palace. 
It was not a marble ground. It was with all the common people on a street. And you don't know that God is there. One day Jacob said that God is here. And I didn't know that God is here. Where God is sometimes the place may not look like God is there. But when we have revelation like David, we will dance with all our might. We will sacrifice with all our might. We will serve the Lord with all our might. And God who is faithful, he will honor our faithfulness in the mighty name of Jesus. Tonight, wherever you are, I want us to pray. You look at yourself. Say, Lord, where have I been? Have I been like Michal or have I been like Simon? In the name of Jesus. Am I like the woman? Have you considered how much of your sins have been forgiven? The things God has delivered you from. If it wasn't salvation, where would you have been? There are some of you listening to me. The kind of temper you had. If it wasn't salvation, probably by this time you may be in prison. Maybe you'd have murdered someone out of anger. And the church, the message of God, the salvation of God is really what has brought you to this place. Some of you have been blessed through Christ to marry properly, to have focus in life. These are all things God has done. But for me, the most overriding thing is that my sins can be forgiven. My sins can be forgiven. I want you to pray from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. 2 Thessalonians 3, 5. Paul, the apostle, he also went all out because he knew what God did for him. Whether you put him in prison or not, he will sing and praise God. He said, may the Lord lead your hearts into a full understanding and expression of the love of God. A full understanding so that you can express the love for God. If you understand what God has done, your love for him will move to another level. Tonight decide to be motivated to serve God in the name of Jesus. Make yourself available. Join some departments. Be active in the ministry. Serve God. Ignore what people say. Don't be like, you see, David didn't care what people said. When the wife said, he answered her back. When somebody tried to speak, if Simon had said a thing publicly, Jesus would have answered. When he said it, and he said, Jesus answered. It means both ways. There must be a response to those who try to demean your service of God in the name of Jesus. But tonight, look at yourself. The sins that we have committed, the evil, the secret things that we do. What is driving your service of God? 